An illogical saga comes to an illogical ending. Let's talk Chris Jones. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory. It's a live edition of the Casey Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank member FDIC. Thank you all so much for hanging out with us. I know it is during Zach Wilson versus Josh Allen. We appreciate you all still coming and hanging out. Uh, I'm here with my dear pals, Maddie Lane. How are we doing today? You know, um, I was doing a lot better before this Chris Jones news came in because now we got to talk more about Chris Jones. And honestly... I haven't got to talk about like in like person. I have not got to talk about the Chiefs' actual football game that has occurred yet. But instead, I'm now wasting more time talking about Chris Jones when there's a real football game going on. The Chiefs have played a real football game. They have another real football game coming up. Mm-hmm. And again, we're leading a show with Chris Jones once again. Maddie, um, he's targeting you, clearly, um, and that's fine. I'm actually very fine with him single-handedly undermining your ability to talk about this game. First of all, he also undermined his own pocket, so. Well, we're going to talk about that. We don't uh, know that yet. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I think we do. I think we do, Craig. I think we do. Uh, the news of the day, obviously, Chris Jones has agreed to a zero-year extension with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, he has negotiated a reworked one-year deal that we still don't know what that means. This late in the process, we are now four hours roughly from the announcement that Chris Jones has agreed to a reworked one-year deal. Um, he will, you know, there's there's really not a ton of details about the actual figures yet, but there is still plenty to uh to discuss without without even knowing uh, too many of the details. What we do know, Chris Jones will be getting an incentive-based deal that will allow him to make uh, more money this year should he reach certain incentives for 2023. Um, man, they're uh, very low. That seems very loaded, especially since, like you know, from a from a numbers you know configuration, likely to be earned versus not likely to be an incentives. We might get into that here in a little bit as well. But when you saw the news, Matthew, that Chris Jones had signed a one year restructure of his current deal, what what were your thoughts about time? <laughs> what have we been waiting for? We spent six months waiting for this. Those were my those were my exact thoughts. I mean, like, it it's hard when something lasts this long to not immediately jump to like how we got here, right? This is nothing to do with the deal, what it means to the team or anything like that. My first thoughts are just like, we really spent all this time, all this fines, all this talking, all these weird okay, one weird presser um on a sidewalk. And like we did all McDonald's house. We did all of this to essentially end up here where it was just a raise. He just got more money and not even actual upfront money. Like as far as we know right now, it's just an incentive laden deal that has the potential to get him more money to come back and play football this year. Like it just seems like there was a lot of effort put in to get somewhere that was like half a step away from where we started this process six months ago. Uh, guys, what, what did I say? Let's see. Uh, roughly 1241 PM mountain time yesterday. What did I say? 
Want to hear my hot That's take? a lot of math. That's a lot of math. There's been a lot of math the last couple months with the Chris Jones stuff, to be fair, Craig, or Maddie. Anyways, Craig, please. want to hear my hot take? Yeah. I think Chris comes back this week. I said <gasps> that yesterday during the early slate of games, um, I want to run through my logic behind this because me and my good buddy, Charles Goldman, also writes for KCSN, part of A to Z Sports. He's been a part of these podcasts. We were doing lunch on Friday, and we were kind of talking through this as well. And we were talking about how much it made for Chris Jones to come back. First of all, week one, everybody's looking at this game. How many people are blaming the defense for why this failed? Zero. Pretty much nobody. So right now, Chris Jones... Well, I saw a couple of agents out there. Okay, fair. Fair. <laughs> Literally out there eating popcorn at Arrowhead. <laughs> <laughs> but... He missed week one. He held out through week one. He's not the reason why the Chiefs lost, essentially. That, that's in most fans' minds. They're going to look at this and go, yeah, that wasn't why. Travis Kelsey's coming back in week two. He's coming back this week. The offense is going to be better. They're playing a Jacksonville Jaguars team who DeForest Buckner almost handedly wrecked the game against. They were really, really bad on the interior. What better time? To show up, if you don't have a contract that is waiting for you, a multi-year contract, what better time to show up than the exact same time that Travis Kelsey's showing up? The offense is going to be better. You're going to be going up against a really weak interior offensive line that just got wrecked. And because the offense is better, there's a potential for a higher pass-heavy script now all of a sudden. I'm not saying this is calculated by any means, or anything like that, that Chris Jones is sitting there because obviously the Travis Kelsey thing happened well outside of all of this. But when all the cards started to fall over the weekend, I was just looking at this and I'm going, man, it just makes all the sense in the world if the Chiefs and Chris Jones are not coming to a long-term deal, report this week. Everybody's going to forget about the fact that you held out four weeks from now. Like They're going to go right past that. Most fans are if you show up and you are in good shape. So... That's that's really all it is. Missing one week in a game that you didn't have a massive impact and the defense wasn't bad in, you show up week two with the other top three player that was missing from week one, everything's all right in the world. Everybody's happy. Most fans are going to be happy with it. Everybody's getting their jokes off today. But I guarantee you, if he shows up and he has a sack on Sunday, everybody's forgetting about the fact that he held out. So I, I looked at this week as a logical conclusion to it. I didn't know that they were going to come to a one-year contract here, but it, it is what it is. I expected him back this week. I don't know if happy is the right word. I don't feel, I don't think the tenor of Chiefs Kingdom is happy. I think they're glad he's back, but I don't think that they're happy it got to this point. Because like, I think this is a very weird situation where people have it, some it, some mixed feelings about Chris Jones as it, as it currently sits. And I obviously, obviously, like his production on the field is going to it's going to mask a lot of that. But but to act like this wasn't a drawn out dramatic saga either is not fair. Is not fair well, to, it was. to to and and that's what, you know, I think a lot of people are going to have that taste in their mouth about Chris Jones' time in Kansas City now. It is going to be part of the story of Chris Jones. And I do you, do you need to say something else Maddie before I unload the clip yeah. a little bit? Sure, sure, sure. Uh I mean, also, this is the correct point about the Jags matchup being a good one to come back for. Brandon Scherf might be out. Sounds like he has yeah. an ankle sprain, so they might be working with a backup guard. 
Chris Jones has had success against the Jags. Like, to Craig's point, it, there was some logic there. I pushed back a little bit and thinking it wouldn't happen this week because I thought Chris Jones' leverage was at its lowest. And guess what? Judging by the deal that came in, it might have still very well been at its lowest. What I leverage? Gained, I think he would have potentially gained more leverage by sitting out another week and risking the Chiefs' defense not playing well versus the Jags. Like, I think that would have spoken better to his case. Obviously, either A, his team didn't feel that way, or B, they just said, we, you know what? The Chiefs are done trying to budge. They're not going to play ball with us. We're not going to play ball with them. Let's go ahead and go dig down deep into the running back franchise replacement tag territory for our star Aaron Donald-like pass rusher at defensive tackle. I, ooh. I don't know where I want to start with this. Actually, I do know where I want to start with this. I want to read Brett Veach's. I want to re- read Brett Veach's statement from, uh, you know, about about the signing of Chris Jones. Chris is an elite player in this league, and over the last seven years, he's really developed into a leader on our team. He's been instrumental to our success in Super Bowl championship runs, and it was a priority for us to keep him in a Chiefs uniform. I'd like to thank Chris and his representation, Michael and Jason Katz, for their desire and patience to get this done. Through this process, two things were obvious. Chris wanted to be a chief, and the Katz brothers worked diligently on his behalf. Um, the, the Katz brothers is, have been getting eviscerated over the course of the last month about their handling of the Chris Jones situation. And as we know the details, uh, and we don't even need to know all the details right now, Chris Jones, who has maintained a desire to be with the Kansas City Chiefs, has extended his time in Kansas City with this new renegotiated contract by exactly zero days. He was already a chief. Chris Jones wanted to be a chief. He was already a chief. That has not changed. Nothing about this new deal new deal, new deal changes that. He was going to be a Kansas City Chiefs th- chief this year, and now he's under a restructured contract for this year. Chris Jones walked away from reportedly $55 million guaranteed dollars to sign a reworked deal that might pay him close or to what he believed he was worth on this new deal he was trying to acquire. He is walking away from $55 million in guarantees, and all he has to show for it is the ability to potentially make close to what he believes he's worth, all while incurring $3.7 million in fines. That is agent malpractice, if you ask me. No objective has been met, and all that's happened is he's soured his relationship with the fan base. He's soured his relationship. I mean, I'm not. I'm, this is a little bit of speculation. This is a little bit of speculation. There's a lot of speculation, but go well, ahead. He has. He, oh, no, go read the. Go read. No, he's absolutely soured his relationship with the fans. Like that is in. Uh, go read Twitter. Everyone's getting their jokes off. This is a piece. This is a point in his. It's, it's I, a point in his career. Oh, we aren't using Twitter for the barometer of fan. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just like it. It's it, it happened. Can it's, I? Can I? Can I retort? Sure. Okay. Here, here comes up. Yeah. I. Uh, this is no. I know them. This is me against you. Um. What are some of the fa- what are the facts that we know about this? Hey, is Chris Jones getting back the money that he was fined? We don't know. He says what, he is. He claims he, he is. Says, he claims that's he is. Fact that it, that's a, that's close to as fact as we're gonna get on any of this stuff here. Did he get a raise? He got he got commission. 
He got a chance to earn commission. He didn't get rent. He didn't get paid. He's getting a chance to earn commission. You're saying he accomplished nothing. Like he's most likely going to get paid more money this year than he was he was initially going to get paid. That's a raise. Like that's kind of accomplishing part of his goal. Obviously, he didn't enter this whole thing back in March thinking I want a couple million dollar raise just for this year, no security beyond it. That was never the goal. But he did end up meet. He ended up finding some form of middle ground to where he's getting more money this year than he was going to get. And he's still going to hit free agency next year. Or, I mean, we still have the whole franchise tag. Will they, won't they, can they, can't they issue to deal with. That's a real Ross Rachel situation. But he is going to get more money. Like, he's probably going to get more money this year if he is healthy, right? Like, that's what we're coming down to. He's kind of getting a little bit of what he wants. No, I think the way it went was terrible. I I mean, I don't think this is a good way to do business. But, like, to act like he got nothing out of it, I do believe, is a little extreme because he's going to get more. He's probably going to get more money if he plays as well as he thinks he can. Right. He's betting on himself here. That, that, that's essentially what it sounds like he's doing. He is betting on himself. And what we talked about with the previous year that was left on the contract, which, hey, shout out to Mike Florio. The Chiefs ripped up the last year of this deal. <laughs> <laughs> they did and signed a new one. But, um, no. Uh, Until he victory laps. Oh, man. I, I'm surprised it hadn't happened already. I do think that, you know, we talked about that last year, the deal, that it is so prohibitive to the Chiefs tagging him because it would be roughly $33, $34 million if he would have played the entire season. He obviously missed week one. There's a decrease there. But if these incentives hit and everything goes the way that he expects and his price tag goes up, Guess what? They're super not tagging him. I I am very curious to hear the structure of this because if the Chiefs added more money in here that are likely to be earned incentives, which I mean Chris Jones had a hell of a year. So trying to find not likely to be earned incentives is a lot more difficult than you think, mm-hmm. especially with the amount of snaps that he played. Um and and let me jump in really quick about not yeah, likely to be earned. Con- j- just the difference. So you can yes. have likely to be earned incentives or not likely to be earned incentives. And basically, right. what those means is they're contract jargon for things that have happened in the past or haven't happened in the past. If it's likely to be earned incentives, it counts towards this year's cap space. If it's not likely to be earned cap or incentives, it is counting towards next year's cap. If he hits. Yes, yes, he hits. If he hits. Yeah. So, so anyway. that's the difference. Yeah, but it still counts as part of the contract. And that 120%, if he hits all that, makes it even more cost prohibitive to tag him. That is even beside the fact that the Chiefs have not made another move. So if Chris Jones shows up and signs this and they don't make another move, they are not likely to be earned incentives because it cleared cap space for this season. So as to as to Kent's point here, if they are likely to be earned, they got to clear even more cap space this year, which they don't have a whole lot of moves left. Joe Tooney, Travis Kelsey, that they can make there. If it's not likely, that means there's probably another concession that Chris Jones and his team met, made here. It could be a no trade clause next year. It could be a no tag clause. There's a lot of these one-year deals with these running backs where all of a sudden they're getting a little bit more money and no tag next year. So there's a lot of things like that that could come into seen, play. Yeah. From what we've seen, would we put it past the Cats brothers to see those running back contracts coming in this offseason and think, hmm, that might be a good idea? 
Well, he gets to the free agent market next year, and if they are banking on him having the kind of year that he is, then they're saying, hey, next year we'll get our 31, 32 million on ourselves by, you know, making this happen, him still showing up and getting more money this year. I I can see ways this being beneficial for Chris, but in reality, we don't know until the contract numbers are in. I don't know. Those running backs all got there in time to do camp and week one and be with their team. They put themselves in the position to have the best year they can. They put themselves in the best position to prove it for a prove it deal contract. That's that's where I think we end up here is like this was I don't want to say a safe face moment because I don't know if it's that, but this seems like kind of like the final the final string, the final string that the the Cats brothers, the Chris Jones agents could pull on to come up with some kind of deal that wasn't like, oh, now we're just going to have to report because we can't, literally, we can't just sit here and hold out until we gate. That just doesn't do anything for us. Yeah, well, like, this is our okay. last, last ditch effort. This is our last so, ditch effort here. Why would a desperate group not just sign for $55 million guaranteed? It's either he thinks he, thinks he can get 32 somewhere else. I think that's what yeah. that tells so me. So he wants yeah, to run exactly the risk. He wants to run yes. the risk yes. of he wants to run the risk of yes. of hurting himself. <laughs> yeah, players do it all the time. No, not <laughs> one. Really, right? Chris Jones has been very, very durable throughout his career. He very has faced very few injuries, very few long-term injuries, Sands, you know, sitting out of a playoff game with the calf soreness. But knock on wood, he stays healthy this year. And that, you know, and he doesn't get hurt and he can go ahead and maximize that. Now, that said, looking at Chris, you know, Chris Jones in a contract year, very, very good. So is this your contract year? Yeah, maybe he get, maybe you get very, very good Chris Jones again. Or maybe you get the post really good year Chris Jones, which takes a step backwards. And now all of a sudden he's going into free agency a year older, not with the contract in hand. He's hitting free agents and he's like, hey, guys, I'm a, you know, maybe a 10 sack this year kind of guy that showed regression from the previous year, do you want to pay me $32.5 million? And you'll see how fast 31 teams say, no, thank you, right? So he's betting on himself, but there's definitely there's definitely a risk to it. I just think it's crazy to me that he's going to put himself into this big of a prove it right now, make this work or go home situation, but doing so this late. He didn't give himself the correct runway at all for this. And maybe, maybe Chris Jones is just good enough that that won't matter. But the logic to get here, the pathway to get to this point is insane. It's it's it is malpractice by his agent. If all he did, if all he did through all this, the three point set risking three point seven million dollars of Chris Jones' money to not get a long term deal done, if all if all he got was a little bit more incentives this year, I think that's I think that's football malpractice. I think that is terrible business. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. There's either stubbornness or incompetence wrapped into the negotiation tactics here. And I don't know which one it is. It might just be the strongest of beliefs that he's going to go out at, in his final year of his 20s and go and ball out in a big way and get paid as a 30-year-old in a year, in a contract starting in year 30. Like, I... It, it doesn't it doesn't make sense none of it does make sense i i can't believe that this is where we're at i have some thoughts though on moving forward with the chiefs and we're going to take a break we'll be back right after this thanks for listening to kc sports network make sure you download our new app find it on the app store or google play just search kc sports network 
It's more fun to be there for live Kansas City Chiefs football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the Kansas City Chiefs and the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. And you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash Chiefs. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey guys, it's Benny Heist from Benny and the Bets. And when it comes to improving your golf performance, there is nothing quite like a PXG custom club fitting experience with a true PXG fitting specialist. This data-driven fitting is going to help determine the right club heads, perfect loft, lie, and shafts to be able to completely transform and change your game and also lower your scores in the process. So no matter your skill level, you can be fitted for PSG's flagship Gen 6 clubs. They're designed to deliver incredible gains in distance, accuracy, and forgiveness. And for a limited time, you can use the code PXG75 when you sign up for a custom fit and get 75% off your fitting at PXG.com. Or you can give their store in Kansas City a call at 913-396-6100. Thanks, everybody that's hanging out. I do want to shout out KC Christian School's broadcasting class. If you're still listening to this, you got to make sure that you tell me you heard this part of the 20-minute mark. There's going to be a test later, so uh, I will tell your teacher. There's that. Um, GWX is a secret code. <laughs> I might try to get I might try to get like some swag from BJ or something like that. The first person, person to come up with that. Uh, get something we'll see i don't know maybe i'm just gonna i don't know i'll bring a candy bar in case i don't get something um all right so the good news of all this is chris jones is a chief and playing week two playing 2023 um didn't hold out till week eight so uh there's that um i 
am thrilled that the Chiefs are getting Chris Jones on a contract year again. Uh, I think the best version of Chris Jones has historically been contact contract year Chris Jones. And that's exactly what the Chiefs are going to get in. Because if 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 he is really betting on himself the way that uh you know that the way that you know it it seems with this contract that he is, then they're hoping to get you know the last year of Chris Jones' twenties playing at an elite level. And I just from that perspective, just jump just off the jump, having that carrot out there for Chris Jones has proven to be a fantastic thing. There's a strong correlation in his performance and him being due for a new contract. There, this might be that third carrot that they get to dangle out there uh, and get this guy, Maddie. Yeah, I mean, I am at the point now. We have done so much Chris Jones talk about where the team goes with him, without him, what that means, and everything going forward. That I feel like we have. We, everybody knows where everything stands at this point in time, right? Chris Jones is coming back, and it's coming back for, for hopefully this week right after the Chiefs had a relatively good performance on the defensive end without him, you now don't have to rush him back in. You didn't give up 40-some points. The Chiefs don't sit here and feel like they need to push him out on the field to make some kind of start change. It's going to flip everything. That takes pressure off Chris. It takes pressure off the team. Maybe he's not even ready to go this week. Maybe the Chiefs aren't financially able to let him go this weekend. <laughs> it's going to work, right? But he could be out there. You're just kind of sprinkling him on the top of what was a promising unit. Now, Something I do kind of have my eye on moving forward of Chris Jones coming back. I thought the Chiefs defensive front did a pretty good job playing together. As a unit, they rushed well together. When you put someone like Chris Jones back in, and this isn't a bad thing, but when you get somebody as good as Chris Jones that comes back in, you go from it being about everybody to everything's kind of about freeing Chris Jones up. It's about getting Chris Jones one-on-ones. And that's the way you should coach it, but that also can hamper what other guys are trying to do. So I'm just curious. They had this entire training camp period of working without Chris Jones. And I think it became pretty obvious to them relatively early on, he was not going to be back for, you know, soon. He was going to be missing maybe a little bit of time or whatever it is. And it seems like they kind of planned how they were going to play without him. I wonder if you just drop him back in with a couple new faces, a couple new rotations, how quickly they hit the ground running. Or if you have some issues where, Chris Jones is maybe trying to free himself up and go get some stats and other guys aren't in the right spots to corral them. Or these other guys are rushing together. And I don't mean this in a bad way. I'm not saying this negatively, but Chris Jones isn't on the same page as those guys because he's a different type of player. He's an completely different level of skill than everybody else. So it's just, I'm interested to see how that works. I thought the Chiefs defensive line was really good. I liked how they played together. Yeah, against really good teams that might, you know, they might be missing that extra pass rusher. But I, I don't know. I don't want to mess with the chemistry of what we saw. No, it was it was really good to see. I, I think that was the most surprising thing uh, of the game that, that we witnessed was how well the defensive line played, how well they stayed in their rush lanes, how well they defended things. I was very pleased with that. Luckily, the benefit of Chris Jones coming back with this guy, with these guys, played with Mike Dana for a number of years now, and the two of them work really well together. And he played with George Karloftis last year. That that means that he's going to be able to line up with those two guys and Derek Nottie. And guess what, guys? That's kind of your starting four right now. Yes, Felix Anaduke Asama is going to come into this. He hasn't played with him very much yet. Keandre Coburn, he hasn't played with very much yet. I mean, it, Turk Wharton and him are very like-for-like players. They played together in the dime, but not a ton of reps next to each other. 
But by and large, he's played with this group. He's played with Joe Cullen. He knows Spags' scheme. He's been in it for long enough now that it's not like reinventing the wheel. And we saw Chris play at a level that we haven't seen him play before under Joe Cullen in a quote-unquote contract year, for lack of a better term, as we're finding out <laughs> with all of this here. He played really well last year. There's no reason to believe that he can't drop in and do some of those other things. So, yes, Chris Jones is a completely different player. It is highly possible that he's going to rush right past a backup guard that weekend and get upfield, and Trevor Lawrence is going to duck that guy, and nobody else is going to be around him. Like, it, it's possible because he's that level of talent. Those are good problems to have, though. And those are the things that these guys have figured out time and time again. If he shows up with the same approach that he had last year to this with Joe Cullen, with Steve Spagnuolo, I, I think he plays quickly. I think he plays often. And I think he plays at a close to defensive player of the year level. Now, he's put himself behind the eight ball a little bit there because there's a handful of guys. TJ Watt, with, with his three sacks, was ridiculously impactful. <laughs> Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons was, was so good. Ridiculous. DeForest Buckner, as I mentioned earlier, was ridiculous. There are a lot of guys that are contending for that right now. I know that he stated that he's going to come out and do that. He's got to make up the stagger now. And, I, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens there. I just have a little more faith based on what he did last year in a contract year in another contract year that we are going to see a similar player to that. Maybe we're not going to see some of the higher variant stuff that we have. So I'm just looking, I mean, obviously like long-term having Chris back is immense. It's huge. Short-term week two. I kind of, you know, I wonder what his role is. Like, I don't think we're getting to the 80% snap rate or whatever he did over, you know, last season. I think it was, was it 81 Something it, crazy like it was a lot. It was an it was an insane number of stats yeah, because the, of the injury. Was near or above eighty percent. Yeah, and it was the most from any interior defensive lineman in the NFL last year. Yeah, I mean he's he's gonna be. I mean I don't I don't think we're that's why it's it, it can't be one of the likely to be earned incentives because what are you gonna do? 90? Well, <laughs> it's it's. I mean that's the funny thing. The likely to be earned can't do snap count. I mean, you could probably do, I'm guessing, I mean, I'm guessing it has to be player of the year, uh, defensive player of the year. Like, I think he took third in voting last year. <laughs> some incentives for second, some incentives. I mean, it's got to be that. How about playoff sacks? Ooh. I mean, it's something that they could dangle on there. He he finally broke through last year and, and got, you know, got on the board there. It's not outside the realm of possibility that he could present that. Like, that's one that the Chiefs could come to the table and he and the Cats brothers just be like, yeah, let's do it. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, let's do it. As far I'm as guy. I understand, <laughs> as far as I understand, incentives can be essentially anything. It's just agents aren't going to let their clients agree to some, you know, completely off the wall right. kind of stuff, right? But you're sitting here in this negotiation, though, however it went down, we don't, I mean, I didn't want to take us back to the spot here, right? But like, we're just talking about what incentives could be like, they got to come up with something. And like you said, the Chiefs kind of have to make them not likely to be earned. So it I, can't be something that he's going to hit. I think you have to kind of come with slightly off-the-wall stuff. If you can't do snap counts, you can't do Pro Bowls, you can't do an all-pro team, like, yeah, you essentially have to come up with something that's rare. Well, and I believe you can do Super Bowl. 
as a not likely yes. to be earned in well, I thought it could have been Hey, team. but guess what he did last year? It doesn't matter. I believe the Super Bowl is not allowed to be a likely to be an incentive. If I remember correctly, gotcha. I'm gotcha. someone someone message bear while I'm talking, but I believe I believe that is not a is not a, an incentive that can be likely to be earned. If if I remember correctly, so like there are a few out there, right? And look, hey, look, you can make the you can make you can make the Super Bowl a ten million dollar incentive. There, I'll sign me up. Like, please, you know, like. We can set it at three sacks in the playoffs and sign me up for 10 You know, I mean, seriously, if he has three sacks in the playoffs, the Chiefs defense is playing well. Like, anywhere you have to put Chris Jones not likely to be an earned incentives makes the deal fine for the Chiefs. Defensive player of the year. So that means he probably was better than even last year, especially Mm -hmm. at the rate some of these guys are off to right now. Like, so he's got to be better than last year to get defensive player of the year. Okay, taking it. Three playoff sacks taking it back to the Super Bowl, taking it legally in sacks. I don't know if you can do that, but if you can do that as an option, sure, taking it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's already be classified as not likely to be earned is going to be good for the Chiefs in the long term and worth whatever the money might be for it. It's just, I'm intrigued what they are, given that it was signed. Because all of those, very not likely to be earned. Well, but... uh, I know we're circling back, but that's what makes us all so perplexing. Like all of it, like there just doesn't seem to be a logical path to like this great deal that's really incentivizing Chris in such some big way. I think all of this smells like Brett Veach. The quotes from Brett Veach made it sound like they did him a solid. They're you know he's doing the Cats brothers a solid. I mean we'll find out, but like it there's there's just no way to package. Hey, we played hardball and got absolutely nothing but a restructured deal, a chance to earn back the three point seven million dollars that we lost holding out and sticking our feet in the ground and saying, nah, we're not going to move. So I just, I, I don't know. You shouldn't, you shouldn't open that back up, but you did. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I just, it, it's going to be interesting. I, I, anyways, back to all of this, my whole point from three minutes ago, I just wonder what the early downs look like for the chiefs and how much he's involved in the early downs. And that's the big think, question for me. Yeah. I, I think based on the rotation that we saw this week, it wasn't necessarily, hey, we're just going to put the big dudes in the middle and try and stuff this up. They still tried to play with some three techniques. They still tried to play Torque Wharton down there. I think he slots right in there. I think he's still going to play a lot early down. I think the rotation is going to be what we saw last year. You're going to have a true three technique on those early downs, and I think they need it. I, I really do. So I, I would guess that we probably see a little bit slower ramp into it since they do have Turk Wharton who can play some three tech for this team. But I do think that it'll be, you know, Derek Naughty, Chris Jones on the interior, and they're just going to rely on Naughty to hold blocks. Chris Jones gain some penetration and do some damage like they did last year. And Keandre Coburn to be the GOAT. Uh, of course, as well. There's that. Uh, can you believe we've had seven months without an NFL game? Crazy, right? Well, good thing that's over. NFL is here and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving you a can't-miss offer. Uh, Sorry. Uh, New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Nobody's missing out on the action this season. All DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. 
Get in on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code KCSN to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 in take home, $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code KCSN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.sot.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 and older age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, see sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance, eligibility, and deposit restrictions apply. Maddie, we're going to give you the platform now to finally talk about the game that you haven't had a chance. Oh, goodness, real football talk, man. Just yeah, put my feet up and let Maddie talk for 30 minutes straight. No, no, no. I, I just, you know, before we get into the belt, but before we get into the receiver stuff, I would actually just, just some like overarching thoughts that are non-receiver related, like a little speed round. It doesn't have to be an exorbitant amount of time, but like just give us a few minutes. It's just quick hitters of what you thought about the game, and then we'll get to the receiver me okay um not so okay so like i think patrick mahomes lost the his trust or confidence in the wide receivers and or the concepts being dialed up into with the detroit lions defense which who i think coached a very very well get, good game i think the lions confused the chiefs and the chiefs came in expecting man coverage the lions played a lot of zone they actually played a lot of mixed coverages put a man on the backside and then played an overloaded zone on the front and it absolutely destroyed what the chiefs were trying to do and I think Mahomes struggled with the weapons he had available to make that work, especially deep into the second half. I still don't understand why the Chiefs can't run the ball. The Lions were letting them. They can't do it. They're just bad at run blocking. Great offensive lineman, bad at run blocking. You're getting the speed rounds because Kent asked for it. Um, so bad at run blocking. Offensive tackle play, pretty good. Donovan Smith kind of was who I thought we thought he was going to be. The preseason, I think, uh, got people a little too excited, a little too quick. He was generally okay. But his losses were bad losses, and they were like so bad that they were kind of causing issues when they did happen. There's a couple holds. There's a couple times where he didn't pick up a guy he was supposed to get on a protection slide and stuff like that. So, like, I do think Donovan Smith has the same issue of, hey, when I lose, I lose bad enough that it kind of tanks the play. I don't really have anything negative to say about the defense. I thought it was all pretty good. I thought they fought well. Um, Trent McDuffie, star. Defensive line, I thought, played pretty good. Nick Bolton's made some really, really nice plays. I just wish that he would play physical and downhill more frequently. There's my general takeaways. You guys can attack them however you would like, Kent. No, I think that was a very great summation of every Maddie take I about anticipated. Uh, Craig's ready to go fisticuffs. That's okay. I'm, I'm ready to fight. No, I'm, you're good. <laughs> you're, Please. You're handsome and your hair looks no. great and and okay. the jaw's chiseled and all that good stuff. Um, let's, uh, let's talk about the receivers, though. Because like I, I know I had a lot of takes on the receivers. I know you had a lot of takes on the receivers. I think one big piece of my thoughts coming from all that is exactly more or less what you said at the very top of your very measured rant about the entirety of the Chiefs-Lions game. I 100% believe Patrick Mahomes lost a little bit of trust with that group. He was not firing with confidence. He was playing a very safe approach to that game. 
And I, I said, I, I talked about it being like a very calm performance from him. I think that's exactly what it is because he wasn't forcing the issue. He wasn't trying to make big mistakes because his receivers were route depth issues, spacing, uh, and not catching the football. Um, there was a lot of stuff. There's a couple of those. Like the, I think the watching the broadcast view, I, the Kadarius Tony kind of middle route, like the over the ball route where he drifted upfield. Mahomes, it felt like halfway through that throw, didn't throw it with as much conviction because he was because because Tony was drifting upfield. I said it, yeah. I said it when it happened, and it was just like that was that was one of those big indicators to me, like, boy, that we're we're not in great shape right now. So that that particular play, um, earlier in the game, they ran you know some form of mesh with Rasheed Rice on like a deep spot route over the ball, and he kind of did the same thing. Only he drifted across the field and he stayed more open than Tony did. But Mahomes also, did, I think Mahomes could have pulled the trigger on this one, but he still was drifting out of the open void into coverage. And I think that was something that frequently happened throughout the entire game. And I think that was a bit of an issue. Guys were really struggling to find space and zone, especially on something the Chiefs like to do is run a lot of crossers. They like to bring guys across the field, but when they see zone and find a void, the goal is to settle down right there. You can't keep moving. And some of these young guys, especially, were continuously moving out of those voids. And I do think that was a big issue, which then goes back to the Lions and their game plan. Travis Kelsey goes out. If you're the Chiefs. You assume you're getting a hard dose of man coverage, right? Yep. Now, when the Lions did go man coverage, the Chiefs could have beat it. Don't get me wrong. The Chiefs <laughs> could not beat the man coverage unless they did some kind of switch release or stack release off the line of scrimmage. That was their only way to beat man coverage but they didn't get a lot of it. They got instead a lot of zones. Like I said, it was a lot of mixed coverages where you would get man-to-man coverage on the backside of your three-by-one formation. So Noah Gray a lot of times, Blake Bell sometimes, Sky Moore sometimes, completely locked up on the backside of these things and man coverage. And then that let them play with everyone else in zone coverage to the three-by-one side or the three-wide receiver side. And that meant the safety on the backside that's over your one receiver was still ready to rob any kind of crosser coming across. Like, the Chiefs were in a bad spot. The Lions had a perfect game plan for what the Chiefs' offensive game plan was. I've never seen a team run mesh into so much zone coverage than what the Chiefs did in that football game. Like, it was insane how much the Lions had this the perfect calls against this very man-heavy offensive passing attack, Craig. I mean, it was ridiculous uh, to watch how much mesh this team ran. And it didn't even look good. It, it, no, it did not. It but was, it was a testament to how far along they'd gotten in the game plan, what they expected the Lions to do, and then how much they're relying on young receivers. Like, that's what it is. Making that pivot, like, again, like, we could all look at this and go, oh, well, the Lions, who were a cover one team for the most of anybody in the NFL last year and during the preseason this year, it was expected they were going to come out and run some man, especially without Travis Kelsey. They come out, they run so much zone that this team does not have an opportunity to pivot. And the game day adjustments that we all refer to and that we all talk about, it is very hard to do when you've got Sky Moore, Rushy Rice, Justin Ross, Richie James, and Kadarius Toney. All guys that have been here less than two years. Realistically, about a year for the longest tenured guy of that group. So 
that's why you saw so much Blake Bell, Noah Gray, MVS, Justin Watson, who also has only been here for a year. But the, these guys, they they typically rely on Travis Kelsey to just be the dude. Go out there and beat zone. You've done this your entire career. You know how to do this. Juju Smith-Schuster last year, a guy that his entire career, guess what I'm good at? Settling into the zone, finding those gaps in there. They don't have that guy. Rasheed Rice was really good at it in college. We are seeing now a focus on the game plan a little bit more. There's a lot on his plate as a rookie in week one. Breaking away from some of that stuff is far more difficult for these young guys to do. And that's why I think it looks so out of sync, so off balance. We know teams and defenses are going to throw everything that they can at Patrick Mahomes in this offense because that's what teams have done now for the past four years essentially they're just like all right screw it we're breaking every tendency against the Chiefs like we're going to come out of the gate and do that against the Chiefs when you got a whole bunch of young wide receivers and a whole bunch of guys that aren't used to playing together and you've got a game plan installed that's completely different from what they're doing it is hard to make that pivot not an excuse they still need to figure out a way to do it without Travis Kelsey but I understand a little bit more as to why it looked as crappy as it I there's so many different plays and like what a perfect like I, I, I do want to add this caveat it was a perfect storm losing Travis Kelsey that late in the game planning process is about as worst case scenario as you can get for the Chiefs with a young group that is undoubtedly and very evidently after watching that game still struggling to you know develop and grow and kind of get comfortable and get used to and familiar with what Patrick Mahomes likes and what this offense needs and what you're supposed to read. I think it was a a big a big wake up call for that group. Um, but it would I just w- with everything going on. I mean, I it, I I told I told Craig this, Maddie, uh, on the post game show, but like I just think it's probably like this is the this was the worst game to have coming off the heels of the Super Bowl where we saw Mahomes win it on a, on a high ankle sprain and just like just exceed expectations. And we just kind of thought he was just going to do the exact same thing, <laughs> you know, in week one. And like, to be fair, like, I don't think Mahomes was bad. I just think he had he had reason not to trust what he was seeing. I genuinely like I try not to throw too much. There's a couple that Mahomes should let it rip. And like, he's definitely part of the growth of this offense is going to be him confidently letting it rip. And these guys continuing to earn trust in Mahomes. That's the growth arc of this team. That's the developmental part of this team. But uh man, it just I thought I it was just a genuinely perfect storm of stuff to happen to get where we were at. So I think the way you guys phrase it, like there is perfect, right? It's not an excuse that they watched Travis Kelsey, the game plan was a little wonky in the line surprise. Like you that is all true. And that made it very difficult. But that's not an excuse for guys running into each other trying to get off the line of scrimmage. That's not an excuse for both guys on mesh trying to run the actual mesh pick route and neither one of them taking the under route. That's not that's not an excuse for the drops that were happening. I, I get it. Blake Bell, Noah Gray, these guys aren't the best at beating man coverage to get open. So then you can't put them in that position. Or if you are, you have to have some belief they can get open. The amount of times that they ran a backside basic route with one of those two tight ends and expect him to get open was insane. Well, I don't know why they were even in that spot. So part of it's on coaching, but like it's not all there. The, the wide receivers 
were not good. Beyond that, these guys were making mental errors left and right, and it eventually did weigh on Patrick Mahomes, and I agree with that. His second half wasn't good football, and I don't think it's his fault, but it wasn't good football because he didn't trust anybody. I also think some of that trust issues started before that because there was a play early in the game, the third down completion to Jarek McKinnon. Sky Moore's wide open, wide open on a slot fade, and Mahomes looks like he's reading that side of the field, and he just opts simply not to throw it, and this is before any mistakes start happening. This is before anything starts happening. He has a defensive, the DB is going to have to flip his hips and catch up the sky more and cover about eight yards to the sideline. It's a very easy, wide open NFL throw. Mahomes appears to be looking right at it. And I imagine he would be given the route concepts. And he just says, nah, I'm not throwing it. Later on, we get that deep crosser where Mahomes gets back to the backside. Sky Moore's wide open in the middle of the field. Starts to throw it, pulls it down and does it. At some point, he's going to have to just trust these guys. Whether he wants to or not, he's going to have to do it. Some of these plays that we're talking about, these guys didn't earn some trust. That's fair. But he's going to have to make it happen sometimes because this is the wide receiver room. Like, this is who they have. They're going to have to get better. And if you don't trust it, if you don't throw, if you don't reward Sky more when he is open, but then accept him to make these jumping catches across the middle of the field that are off his fingertips, that's never going to work. You have to help build up his confidence. And they were give, there were times where they had the ability to get open. There was another play where Noah Gray did actually win on that backside basic route, and the ball didn't find its way to him. There was early pressure. I think there was time for Mahomes to deliver the ball. If it was Travis Kelsey running the route, I bet he sits in there and throws that football rather than trying to run away. But Noah Gray did his job. Mahomes just scrambled away. Like So it wasn't all just the receivers. I don't think Mahomes played a perfect game either, and that kind of leads me to what I wanted to ask you guys. Do you guys have any concerns about this wide receiver room for the rest of the year, or do you think it's just... Oh nope! It was one game. It'll get fixed. Go go ahead, Kit. I got my take. I think this year at the receiving room, at the in the receiving room, and just with the Sobbins, is definitely going to be more of a process than it was last year. I think this is the biggest project that this team has undertaken potentially in uh in the in the Mahomes era. And last year we thought th- like this the kind of feelings I'm having now about the offense or what I thought I was going to be having about the defense last year. Oh, there's a super young back seven and like and to some degree sure, but like it didn't matter because like they won a billion games. Mahomes was lighting the world on fire, the offense was intact and all that stuff. This year is going to be a much more of a learning curve process project, whatever you want to call it, than than this year and so or than last year. I have long term concerns about a, a few specific players, and I also have still some hope about some specific players. I'm worried about Sky Moore. Why was Mahomes so gun shy to throw to a Sky to Sky Moore last night or on Thursday night? That's a big question for me because I do feel like you're right. That, that slot fade, little dig curl, whatever you want to call it. Maybe he was throttling down. Maybe he wasn't. Like They just seemed like a very targeted, specific player that that Mahomes wasn't overly confident in. I'm not even sure the over route to him on 4th fourth, on fourth and 25 was actually intended for Sky. No, it was I not. Watson. I think it was. <laughs> now, so, it's crazy because Andy Reid has all the faith, at least public facing all all the faith in Sky Moore. He lumps Correct. him in with veterans every time. He specifically goes out of his way to praise him. And so do all the coaches. They bring up how he was practicing with uh, Patrick Mahomes all summer long in Texas. Mm-hmm. Now, that also means they have probably a lot of reps with one another. 
I don't know what that says about not throwing him the ball when it looks like he's wide open in one of the regions. I I, I wanted to present that because like the chief, the coaching staff still seems to at least talk about him and Kadarius Tony very positively, despite what we have seen so far through you know a season in one game. Well, they need them to like they badly need those guys. Like, and then maybe that's a little bit of, of it is like they are trying everything they can to give Sky more confidence because they know that one of the big steps that this group can take from a talent perspective is Sky Moore and same with Kadarius Tony but I just I that's I don't know it just it, the the confidence level specifically looked I I felt personally different with Sky more than anybody like and that's that's the alarming part is because this was the guy that's supposed to be taking the big jump so yeah and to for me uh in this wide receiver room get back to me after week four if it continues to look like this, I think they're making a move at the deadline. I said that in the post-game show, too. I think they're keeping some tabs on that. I think they've got stuff in the tank that they can, the levers in the tank that they can pull here, but I do think they're going to give these guys time. Like, sure. listen, Rasheed Rice, uh, despite that drop, looked pretty good. Like, he really did. There, There, there is promise there. Um, I can see growth into that. It will help not losing your best wide receiver, you know, a couple of days before before the game, obviously. I want to see what it looks like when you have defenses a little more keyed on Travis Kelsey, where things are going, what the game plan is a little bit better because you get into a scenario like against the Lions who were planning for Travis Kelsey to be there and they game plan the same way the Chiefs did. They spin around, they play a lot of zone against this, I feel very confident that Travis Kelsey absolutely rips that defense wide open. Like, I, I am not worried about it at all. And then it will fit, force more man. Then some of these mesh concepts make a little more sense. Like, the logical progression of how you get there still makes sense. I just got to see it because it is a young group. And I think what we're getting during the week in the install is all we're getting from this group. I just don't think we're going to see a lot of sideline stuff of them drawing into dirt and, you know, manipulating all this stuff. Like maybe we saw with some of the veterans in the past. So like, I just want to say, I don't have like a, a season long, like my, the, my worry level for the season isn't that high. I'm with Craig, give it like a quarter of the year up to the trade deadline to see what happens. And maybe they make a move, but Travis Kelsey coming back forces this mixed coverage thing the Lions did to not work anymore because you can't one-on-one -on -one Kelsey. And if you do, he eats regardless of what the coverage is. So you have to shift some help over there. And once you spend that extra help, you can't overload the other side. The Chiefs likely don't get caught entirely with man beaters in the entire play sheet and like one zone beater to run every third drive. And that helps these young guys not have to kind of read stuff on the fly that they weren't prepared for. So like, I don't think I'm that worried this year because Travis Kelsey is that guy that comes back and changes all the numbers. That said, my long-term concern, this is what you were afraid of. The cheese without Travis Kelsey doesn't yep. look good. Yep. And bigger issue, Andy Reid, try, try not to mention Tyree Kill here. Tell me one player that, what wide receiver Andy Reid has got to perform over expectation. Right? Like, who? Demarcus Robinson. What were be honest? What were your expectations to Demarcus Robinson? Right, right. That's that is probably fair. But like all the wide receivers that Andy Reid has had become good have been first, second round draft picks, top fifty picks, and Deshaun Jackson, Jeremy Macklin, Tyree Kill was the random hit, or it's been free agents to the side. They have not, and Philly or in Kansas City drafted a wide receiver and really developed them into a guy. 
that hasn't been one of their strengths. They seem to really like, I don't want to say different, but slightly off like kilter skill sets. They seem to like guys that have a very narrow niche skill set and then turn that into what works in their offense. And that's fine when you have Travis Kelsey doing his thing or you have the hit of Tyree Kill. When you don't have those guys, though, it gets rough. Like, it doesn't look pretty. And yeah, you're right. I think Rasheed Rice showed the most promise of all these guys. He's still also a rookie that made rookie mistakes. We talked about drifting in his own zone. He got all up on uh, on that bad Noah Gray ball skills play. Rasheed Rice doesn't get out of his way fast enough. He gets slowed up by a jam, and Noah Gray has to avoid his feet before he can get into his little corner route. So, like, he still made rookie mistakes, and that's kind of what the issue is. Your best bet is a rookie to become a wide receiver that matters. And, like, you're waiting to see Tony. You're waiting to see Sky Moore or even MVS, who is who he is, show that they can be more than what they have been. It's only one game this year. But boy, they were all given an opportunity and not a single one of them took it at all. Like nobody took it at all. That's a problem because you won't have Travis Kelsey forever. So this this is a beyond this year thing. They got to figure out what they're doing at wide receiver because drafting the same type of guys year in and year out isn't working right now. They're not getting the development they need out of them. Play Rashi Rice more, by the way. I just, that's my, I, I think some you of this, your blocking assignments and you might be out there. Some of this <laughs> some of this by the end of the season could be alleviated by Rushy Rice. And I think Freddie Mitchell was a round one pick, by the way. Uh okay. Wild that out there. Uh there are some early lines from DraftKings that we're gonna talk about a little bit here. Uh make sure you use promo code KCSN uh when you are downloading the DraftKings app and signing up. Five dollar <clears throat> bet gets you two hundred dollars in free bets. Craig. Give me, give me one of the early lines or one of the early looks to the Chiefs you like. Buddy, I don't know that I'd listen to me after the weekend that I had here. Uh, bad, You're saying bad. you need the $200. I need the $200. I need to create another account here so that I can throw some money on the Chiefs minus three here. I think that this number is too low. I think a healthy Patrick Mahomes, Chris Jones coming back into the fold, Travis Kelsey being a part of this, and watching that Jaguars team that has some legit weapons will get into them at the end of this week can make this a little bit more of a game. I think this is just scorched earth. Like, I think this is going to be one of those. The offense is going to come out. Patrick is going to look awesome. They're going to put up a ton of points, and I feel like this defense is going to do what they did to the Lions and limit this Jaguars team enough I think the Chiefs are going to clear that minus three. I think they're going to win by more than that. So I I would throw down the money that I should have spent all this weekend on the Chiefs next week. I'm going to go ahead and take the over 51 in this game. The Jaguars scored 31 points in the first week. The Chiefs didn't have a great offensive performance, and this would have been a push. I will I will throw it out there. The Chiefs are a little bit better offensively this week. I think that the Chiefs are going to come out here whether or not Travis Kelsey plays, right? Whether or not he plays, I think Andy Reid's going to be a little bit more on his A game. It seemed like the game plan was very specific to what they thought the lines were going to do. I think Andy's going to be a little bit more prepared for anything that comes at him. He's probably going to have a few more things dialed up because he actually has some Jacksonville film that he can rely on here. So even without Kelsey, I do think this team is going to be able to find a way to put up more points than they did last week. I also think This is one of those games where Patrick Mahomes probably a little pissed off after everything that happened. We have seen when Patrick Mahomes gets upset, he plays a little bit better, especially in single game moments. I think this is kind of one of those spots. The Chiefs also get a little extra rest. Oh, and the cherry on top, 
Travis Kelsey might just come back, and that makes it the easiest over 51 you can possibly imagine. <laughs> well, and the Chiefs will be better prepared for it without him if he's not going to be able to play. They're going to have a better game plan that's going to more tailor the skill sets of this team. Look, it doesn't matter if they're on the road or at home against Jacksonville. Andy Reid has had the Jaguars number in his time in Kansas City. There's only been one time the spread on this or the, the final score on this game was less than seven. It was a 1914 game in 2016, but Andy Reid's undefeated against the Jaguars and they've tended to blow them out. You can get an alternate line minus six and a half. Mm. I'm taking that one. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. Make sure you download the DraftKings app. Use promo code KCSN. $5 bet gets you $200 in free bets. That is going to do it for the KC Laboratory. Thank you all so much for listening. We appreciate you. We'll catch you later. Go sign Julio. Ugh.